Welcome back to episode 82 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined today by Scott Harrington and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Keep developing your game this summer with youth camps and off-season training. Go to www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn more. Well, last episode was two weeks ago. We took a week off with the holiday. And at that time, we had Toledo uh, Walleye head coach Dan Watson here in studio. It was unbelievable uh, run for the year for the Walleye. Um, as it, it becomes, that should, that's the expectations up there now in Toledo uh, to have uh, a really good years, year in and year out. Um, and it's been great for the last seven years uh, at the Huntington Center. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, Coach Watson will will be with the Walleye for a long time. They've had a just incredible, sustained success up there. I'd hate to be the guy who has to follow him. You know, sellouts yeah. and and uh, trips to the finals and all that every year. I just saw a tweet. Uh, one other one other guy signed with the American League uh, this year, so they're moving moving guys up and uh, just. They're killing it. It was it was great to have Alden Hertzfeld here, the assistant coach who played for uh, Dan uh, with the walleye. But, you know, his story, North uh, Northview High School chose to stay all four years. Well, I don't know if it was really his choice, but his parents were not going to pay for him to go leave early. Um, worked out great for him, played a year or two juniors, Miami University National Championship game. Um, and then played uh, with the wall. I played some other places too, but mm-hmm. um, stuck it back home. It was kind of crazy. We talked about him. He played his entire hockey career, except for I think one year in the state of Ohio, yeah. playing and coaching. Yeah, all but one year, all in all junior high school, junior college, pro, all all in the state of Ohio. Checks all the boxes. Right, absolutely. So it's, it's good to hear from him. Um, I might be having a travel uh, situation with Coach uh, Watson coming up here soon. So podcast, uh, live podcast. I know, I know. That'll be uh, that'll be an interesting one. Two days down in West Virginia, uh, Coach Watson and I. It'll be fun. Uh, this week we have Lumberjacks legend and Stanley Cup champion Jack Callender in with us. He's in studio. Hey, Jack, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Thanks for being here. We uh, we stepped up our game. We got him some Miller Lights. No free ad. <laughs> no free ad. Right. He, Jack said he he's more of a red wine guy these days. Would you stay four bottles? Two glasses, two glasses a night. So sorry, you can have two glasses a night, or else four in one night. <laughs> I like the way That's you t- think. Yeah. I like the way you think. We're really looking forward to hearing uh, some of our uh, stories from his incredible career, uh, coach, front office executive, uh, just everything that you've brought to the game of hockey. Uh, we thank you for being here today. We're excited to chat with you for a little bit. Thanks for having me. But first, what's up with the boys, Dan? You started a new gig today, huh? Yeah. A uh, new job started today, so, you know, I get to see you pretty much every day of my life now, so things are back to normal. You're lucky, Dan. I know. <laughs> so, no, it was good. Um, you know, we talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago. Just It's it's going to be good to be in the building. Um, actually saw a couple of the boys up there today, which, again, that's something I haven't had the past three, four years being out at Bedford just – having that, that player coach relationship all the time going. So right. Looking forward to it. Good, good. Well, we're definitely glad that you're here and uh, 
We know all of our IT questions and concerns are in good hands here at St. Edwards High School. Do you ever get the, the printer fixed for you? Uh, no, uh, because I was in a meeting and I, and I told the person that I would get with them tomorrow morning. Okay. So, but your first directive to your staff, uh, was immediately, uh, taken. So good to know. Good to know. So we didn't do a show last week. Uh, so I've actually been out to Lorraine twice since we did our last show. Oh, you, you, I guess, first of all, the rocket on the river went out to the rocket on the river. Are you, you familiar with rocking on the river out in Lorraine? I am not. At the so they had they do high end tribute bands, they had a journey band out there. The guy's the best, dude. They have eleven thousand people. Yeah, there. the guys. Was it Escape? Yeah, yeah. The guy. The, you would think Steve Perry's in the house. His voice is dead on. I'll play it for you when you're done. Yeah, but I mean, he looked like a clown. But no, he can't. Wait, the voice did, was dead on. Did he bring the great. the uh, um the tails the suit? When I he, felt like he was changing his shirt for each song for whatever steve perry wore in the video for that song Seriously. is that what he was doing yes but they were phenomenal yeah there's eleven thousand people there i was talking to kenny mather he's like i went to see actual journey there was only thirteen thousand people yeah. there and it paid like 180 bucks yeah it was seven hours. so uh and then they had aerosmith friday but i wasn't able to get out there but and then uh this past weekend mrs harrington and i took the kayaks out of the black river and went up and down and uh it's great so um, uh, a lot of blue heron, uh, cormorants, bald eagles, and uh, muskrat. Okay. And uh, lots of people out there fishing. So it's coming back. Jack, you've known Scott for a long time. Do you think, did you ever think that he was like this, like, uh, wilderness, uh, uh, wild guy over here? I did not. I did not. <laughs> He's taking the easy kayak and I, I hike in there. Oh, oh. <laughs> See, I, I do, I take boats that have motors. That's how lazy I am. <laughs> That's how lazy I am. So, well, yeah, actually, I was just uh, I was up in Toledo this week and we had a high school uh, showcase up there. So it was nice to get the, the guys back on the ice. Some of the new kids, uh, some of the incoming freshmen, you know, it was nice to see them and and kind of just, you know, talk with a little bit of the parents a little bit here and there. So uh, it was good. Long weekend, though. I mean, we did. We, we took two teams, so eight games in two days between the two teams. But we coaches were in the rink the whole day and it. I think Tuesday pneumonia is going to set in um, because it was uh, it was brutal, man. We were in the rink at 10 o'clock on Saturday. And, and you guys know the Tamil Shanner up there. It is cold as hell up there. 10 a.m. got there. No, actually, yeah, 10 a.m. on Saturday, left about 930, 945 p.m. And then back at seven o'clock yesterday morning. Then we got home and I played this cross net game that my daughter has. It's like four square, but it's with volleyball. Played for about an hour yesterday. I'm, I'm, boy, the hips and the, and the knees don't lie. Oh yeah. Wow. Wow. Not good. No. No. But it is what it is. It was a nice night, and uh, uh, I, like Jock, enjoyed two glasses or maybe two bottles of red after my exercise. So, um, enjoyed myself. Loosen the hips right up. Yeah. Do you have a a, a favorite brand? Vintage. Not really. I, I'm a. I, I like Pinot and Cap mostly. Okay. Mostly Pinot though, but. Uh... Yeah, there's there's a few few that I like. Yeah, I like the brand. It's called Josh. You ever had yes, that? Yes, very, very good. Yes, very good. Very good. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, so that now we caught up. Lev's not here. Uh, Lev's down in the uh, Rubber City, Akron, doing some work. So uh, he was going to be vacant tonight. Um, so let's see what's going on in the news of the Ohio Hockey Digest. Twenty twenty two NHL entry draft was last week, and as always, there was some intrigue with the selections. 
and also some trades that went down. Slovakian winger Juraj Slavkowski was the first overall pick by the Montreal Canadiens. And Shane Wright, who was the consensus number one pick since he was about 14 years old, he fell all the way to the Seattle Kraken at number four. Um, so I don't know if you watched the draft when it was going on. I did not watch it like as it was actually going on. Yeah, it was. I was really shocked. He, you, you know, the weird thing is the Athletic, no free ads. They did a mock draft uh, a couple days that they put out a couple days before the real draft, and they had Shane Wright going number four. And I thought the guy hit his head or something. I'm like, how can you? How can he be number four? Right. That's where he went. So I got Montreal taking the the Slovakian kid. He kind of came on strong at the end there, and they said New Jersey wanted a defenseman. And I don't know if Arizona was kind of convinced themselves they were going to get the other, the American kid, uh, Cooley. So they kind of talked themselves into it. But when Shane Wright was still there, I'm, I was just shocked they didn't take him. But they didn't. So, I, But I think Seattle's probably a better spot for him, less pressure. Yeah, Montreal's a lot of pressure. Right. And I, and I think a lot of these kids now, there's so much parity. I mean, they're all, they're all playing against each other at young ages in tournaments and stuff. It's not like it used to be where there's – that huge separation anymore it's right and especially in the, just the top guys i mean yeah. you know i think the, the draft that's a tough by that amateur scouting that's a tough job <laughs> and speaking of pressure and playing in montreal i saw you quoted in the athletic a couple times uh in the story they did on doug, doug wickenheiser who was the first pick in 1980 yeah, right i played i played with him in that area yeah. yeah we went to the memorial cup and he was a dominant player, yeah. But uh, you know, they wanted they wanted things right away in Montreal. They wanted in Can well, Canada. There's a lot of pressure. Toronto, Montreal, Edmonton. Those those players they they live under a microscope. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Columbus, then they picked two forwards in the top twelve last year, and this year they picked up two defensemen, David Yurichek and Denton Matejchuk. And then the second round, my new favorite player, Luca Del Belbaluz. I think uh, the kid's name is, it's like a drinking game, this kid's name. <laughs> uh, and I got to be honest, I didn't see who else they drafted. You probably paid closer attention to it than I would, but most of these kids aren't going to be coming to Cleveland for a couple of years anyhow. But Yeah, you don't usually see those first rounders. If we see them, that'll be. <laughs> what did you say? It sounds like a drinking game. Luca Del Belbaluz. How, how would, how would that you, a time? I think how would you play it? How would you play the game? Uh, either every time you hear it or if you say it wrong. You have to well, then you if you say it I wrong. It. Are you sure? I think. Well, yeah, there <laughs> you I? go. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, just one more note on the draft. I thought this was interesting. Uh, the kid who went number one, Yuri Slavkowski. I'm sure he's going to be playing probably in Laval, if not Montreal this year. But the Iriotters drafted him last year in the import draft. So if they decide he needs to start at the junior level, he'll be playing in Erie. Road trip. Yeah, road trip. So um, the other note, I, I, you know, we had Tyler, the Duke boys on a couple weeks ago. Tyler Duke did not get selected. Which I, was, I was shocked about that. Because he was pretty high in all the lists I saw. The only thing I can think, you know, he hasn't played in college yet. So used to be if you didn't get picked when you were 18, you just weren't going to get drafted. They'd circle back when you're a free agent. A lot of they're drafting more overage kids now. A lot of more of the Europeans, too, get they, yeah. They seem to get the breaks where the North American kids, they don't get drafted young. There. Yeah. 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 
So well, I would think, I mean, he's going to be a motivated young man now. Going it, 100% State. motivated. If he, a, if he has a good freshman year, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get picked next year. So that's my question. I thought it was three years after your draft age. Or could it, it, it since he didn't get drafted, he can go next year? You can get drafted next year, 19. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, he, uh, you know, sometimes those the college kids, I think, like if, if you don't get drafted and, you're, and you have a great, great uh, career or great senior year or whatever, um, you're going to get the free agency, which is probably even better than get drafted. You get to choose where you're going. Yeah. You get to, you know, see what, what their, that team's needs are, and where they're at. You know, if they're loaded in the top six and you're scoring forward, then you, you know, you don't want to go there. You want to go to a team that's got, they're missing a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a few trades. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on, uh, what the Chicago Blackhawks are doing. So they traded Alex DeBrinkett for the seventh overall pick and some other stuff. And they also traded Kirby Doc. I did think it was funny that commission, the commissioner gets booed mercilessly, mercilessly when he goes up there and he goes up to the, the podium and Montreal crowd starts booing. He was like, all right, I thought you'd want to hear about the two trades that the Canadians just made. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I get that they trade these guys because they can get more for them. But wouldn't you think if you were the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks, the first thing you would do would say, okay, what do I have? Um, what do I not have? And you got a 24 year old guy who scored 40 goals twice already. Check. Yeah. And Kirby, eight, a 21 year old center who they rushed him into the NHL, but he's 6'3. He's got skill. You think, all right, let's give him another year, see what we get there. All right. Those are the last two guys that I would have traded. Yeah, if you're in a rebuild, you think you keep your young. I, I mean, now that they've committed to a rebuild, obviously. Right. What What do they do with Patrick Kane? Yeah, and Taze. They're both in the last year. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure they're out if they want. But do you think they they push him in the middle of the year or do they wait? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I, I would, I personally, I think Patrick Kane's got a bigger value um, right now. With Taves having that year off and having the yeah yeah but uh, yeah I don't know if you you probably get more now than like if you're if you're selling them at the end of the year being they're, they're becoming free agents you know you know someone might want to take them for a playoff run but like yeah. how, how much are they going to give up for for six weeks yeah. yeah so take us back to your playing days when uh, this week like the last few days walking up to free agency. What was that like? Like, is everybody talking, all the guys talking to each other, trying to figure out what's going on or who wants to go where? Yeah, free agency wasn't as big back when I was playing. Plus, we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it would take him, it would take him five days to send a letter. Jock would run down to the payphone, <laughs> yeah. put so, some quarters uh, in. So, you, you know, like, you know, I, I really wasn't involved in free agency much. So, um, you know, you would, you're excited to see who's who's going who's where, going but there, yeah. it's a lot bigger now than it was, and maybe maybe it's just because the media coverage is more too now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we didn't really, um, you know, the draft was the big thing. That was more, yeah, more what we watched. All right, remember to follow the Futures Hockey League and Summer Elite League at www.ohiohockeydigest.com this summer. Quick check of the stats show that Russ Sankowitz tied for the sell 
lead in assist in assists. We'll have to get we'll have to get him on next week for comment. Discover the fountain of youth. Sheesh. He's at the top of the leaderboard. <clears throat> TJ Hensick and Brandon Hawkins of the Toledo Walleye are playing in the Three Ice Summer League. Three Ice is a tournament-based three-on-three league you can watch on CBS. Have you seen that? I have. Have you? What do you I think? Have. I have. I probably, I was always told that if I didn't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? Oh, really? So I, um, there's a guy that that uh, works out at Winterhurst, uh, Jake Newton. He's playing in it. Um, I don't know. I, I think of this like the three-on-three NBA league did not take off. And that that market is so much more bigger in the United States than hockey. I just don't know if this is going to take off. Yeah, I, I haven't watched it yet, but I've I've seen a lot of the names, and and it's mostly East Coast league players. Yeah. so you don't have any names driving it right now. Um, I mean, the only could catch on. But yeah, the only names you have driving is the coaches. That's yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I'm with the Jackets. I mean, and these guys are hell of hockey players. Are really good. Um, it, it like I mean. You have to. I can't believe the amount of goaltenders that decide to do this. It's just a freaking shooting range for the uh, on yeah. these guys. You know, I've, I the one half or whatever the hell I watched. I don't even know what it was. I think there was forty some shots in like seven minutes. I will say this: I have a buddy who's a marginal hockey fan, and he sent me this text. Like I'm watching this thing on TV. It's a hockey three on three hockey league. Yeah. And he said this guy just went down and did a three sixty and scooped the puck off the ice and did a. I watched the same. I watched the exact same game that he plays for the Walleye. Yeah, Brandon yeah. Hawkins. Yeah, he yeah. played. He played a game for us last year. Did he? One game, yeah. And but uh, a, a teammate of mine, Pat Mayer, who lives in Detroit, was watching it and he sent me a text. He said, "Watch this." Yeah, yeah. And I, I will tell you the truth. I mean, I, I, you know, I've seen TJ play, and and and, and they are really, really good hockey players. I saw that exact play. I turned it off. <laughs> I'm like, like thinking like a coach. Well, no, I just, for the entertainment value, I I, I want to see some three on three play like down in the zone, start moving the puck. If you don't have anything, kick it back out, restart, go back, like play it the right way. You go down and do a 360 lacrosse spin a room. I mean, what the hell is that? Would he, would he do that playing for Dan Watson? It's a three on three summer league. It's made for TV. <laughs> Sound like torts now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that, Chuck. So Don't just just one more note on the on the news was we, I mentioned to you, uh, Sully Spencer Cox, who we had on the podcast last year. Uh, he's the kid who went to like three different junior teams, and he said, "I went to this team and it folded. Then I went to this other team and it folded." This poor kid, Jack. He he literally went to. He finally got his break and went to the North American League, the USHL yeah. or whatever it was. And the first team he that, that he goes to, literally, he was there a week and a half. They folded. So like, all right, we'll move you on to, you know, whatever, another, another city. Two weeks later, they folded three times. It happened to him <laughs> three times. Good. So, and then got a scholarship at uh, Long Island, right? New, new team in Long Island. And uh, I just saw a note that he was at Predators camp, uh, development camp this week. So we'll, maybe awesome. we'll circle back with him. Shoot, if I was the Predators, I'd be nervous. They might fold too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you guys have seen the stuff that's going on in Russia. Oh, is this is it true or is it not? Did you see there was video of the goalie? So this kid, uh, he he won the championship in the KHL. He was the goalie for the team that won the the national the uh, league championship. He was also the goalie for the Russian Olympic team that won a silver medal. He's twenty five years old. He was drafted by the Flyers years ago. He signs with the Flyers, and then two days later, he's walking out of practice, and these military guys roll up, and they 
put him in the van and took off and nobody's seen him since. And I did notice on the video that one of the guys took his sticks. I don't know if he's in a men's league or something, but, and he's gone. Well, he's in the middle. He's fighting in Ukraine or something now. They, they, just they took were, him. Actually, I don't want to give your, your competition spitting chiclets. No, no, uh, that's not even close to our competition. No, trust no, me. But they were talking about that. I was listening today. Uh, it was last Monday's or whenever, at whatever episode. And, I was listening on the way to work today and they were talking about the exact same thing. Yeah. And then, and then they, uh, one of the guys said there's, there's North American guys signing to go to the KHL right now. Like I would not. No, no. With Brittany, with Brittany Griner. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like why would you even go near that? As a lunatic. What was I reading then about fake military IDs? Well, so then there was a story in the Russian paper about Kirill Kaprizov buying a fake ID. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to get out of here. And the initial report said that he got out of the country. And then they talked to Billy Garen. He's like, uh, we haven't seen him. So they're, they're buying so these fake military things saying, I'm already in the military, right? That's what they accused him. No, well, they have a year of mandatory military service. Like Finland has it too. Yeah. But they give deferments to all the athletes. Okay. But he didn't have, you know, he hadn't done his service yet and was expecting a deferment. And then when he signed with the Flyers, they took it away from him. So... He's in, he's in the army now. Jack, I'm with you. No way. And no way would I be signing the KHL right now. And all the guy, all the NHL players went back for the summer. I don't know what they were. Most of them. Um, but I don't know. I don't think they let well, anybody's family, family came too. over. Yeah. They didn't let anybody's family come over. So they all went home to the summer for the summer to see their family. I would be real nervous if I had guys over there. So Billy Garen said he has not seen him or talked to him. Oh boy. Okay. Well, on that note. Whew. Sheesh. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by Athletic Performance Insight. API is easy to use, affordable technology designed specifically for amateur hockey, provides every team the opportunity to benefit from video and analytics. Teams use the API app to track events in real time. Event data is used to generate reports and simplify video review. Athletic Performance Insight, amateur hockey, elite technology, professional results. Go to athleticperformanceinsight.com today to learn more about this tool and view a demo video. Welcome back. Today, we are very honored to have Jock Callender in the studio with us. Jock was a prof- pro- pro- whoa <laughs> prolific scorer. This is probably the Miller Lights. Should I tap in? Yeah. Prolific scorer for the Regina Pats and the International Hockey League's Lumberjacks in Muskingum and Cleveland. He got his name on the Stanley Cup in 1992 with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And after setting the IHL's all-time scoring record, transitioned into coaching in front office position, with the Lake Erie Monsters. He continues to be hockey's greatest ambassador in Northeast Ohio. Please welcome on air, Lake Erie Monsters, Vice President of Hockey Affairs and Team Services, Jock Collender. Welcome, Jock. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you. So let's start maybe from the beginning. What was your childhood like in Saskatchewan? 
Um, now, now that I've lived elsewhere, it was very cold. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, played every sport when I was a kid. Uh, you know, basketball, volleyball, soccer, track, wrestling, hockey, baseball, football. Winters were long and cold, and we had uh, outdoor rinks at uh, just about every schoolyard, and uh, we we lived there in the winter from probably you know early November for sure um, till till March, uh, where we went after school every day, weekends. If I had regular games with uh, my organized hockey team, my dad would just pick me up there. We'd go play a game or practice with my regular team then he dropped me back off at the rink and we kind of we kind of just lived there yeah so if you if if you didn't take a love to hockey and you said you played all those other sports what would be the next one i i liked basketball okay i don't think i was that good at it but i i liked it i enjoyed it but i i think i liked them all um more basketball volleyball soccer i liked uh, but probably the, of the all the sports but so you had an older brother, uh, Drew, who played for the Pats, got in some games with the Broad Street Bullies, Flyers team in the late 70s, um, and was a three-time 40-goal scorer in the AHL and CHL. You guys were five years apart, though. What kind of impact did he have on your hockey career? Oh, huge, huge. He was, uh, you know, he was my idol. Like, I wanted to be like him. My, my brother was my brother was a, a star kid. Like, he, he was, he was a, you know, the best player at his age group. In, in Regina at hockey and he was a good ball baseball player and stuff. He, he you know, they have those Cincinnati red camps around. He, he got invited to those. He, um, and myself, I, I kind of mucked around as a younger hockey player. I got cut from teams. I just, you know, kept playing and, you know, I, I wanted to be like him. And uh, I was very fortunate that he let me, you know, play on the outdoor rink with him and his friends or on the driveway playing street hockey, like, he, he always included me and um, and made me a better player because to get the ball or the puck or whatever we were playing with, um, they didn't just give it to me. Like now you, you know, you have it. You, you're, you're right. <laughs> you had to, you had to go get it. You had, sure. to, you had to learn how to do those things. And I think it, you know, helps you with your, your hockey mind. What was there hockey in your family before? Not really. Uh, um, my dad uh, played some as a kid. Um, he, my dad was a boxer actually, um, and uh, he he uh, he was uh, in an orphanage at a young age, and you know, it's, so he didn't have the opportunities like that we had. Um, so, uh, but he did he did play some hockey. He coached he coached me as uh, he coached uh, uh, ten and under. So I did play for him, but he didn't, you know, like like coaches now they move up with their kid. He, he was there before me, quite a few years before me, coaching that age. And then after I left, he stayed at that age. He's not the one who cut you, is he? He did cut me. He did he really? When I was eight years old. Yeah. <laughs> Are you shitting me? No, he, he cut me. I was eight years old. I played for him for, at, at nine and ten, but I I did not play for him at eight. But as as harsh as that sounds, that's the way. Like honestly, that in today's youth hockey, and Jack, you've been involved in youth hockey in Cleveland for a long time. We, I don't want to say we should get back to that style, but we need to get back to the, the maybe at that time. And I, I can't believe I'm saying this to you, Jack, but maybe that time your dad didn't think you were the one, one of the best 15 kids. Right. Well, so I you didn't, yeah. so you didn't make the team. Well, how, how motivated were you as a nine-year-old though? 
Yeah, no, right? I, yeah, yeah. You, you, you just learned that he wasn't just going to give you a, a break, you know, and and you had to work hard. Like I, when I was nine and ten, if you know, if I didn't work hard, then I didn't play. Yeah, so that, it seems so simple. That's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. I think good for him. <laughs> it makes me think of uh, Herb Brooks. Have you ever heard that story? So he was the last cut on the uh, what year was it? 69 1960 yeah and uh when the u.s won the gold medal at squaw valley he was the last cut he said he was at home watching the game with his dad and they won the gold medal and his dad goes i guess they cut the right guy (laughs) (laughs) thanks dad yeah that's that's cool though um i didn't know that um but you did get to play with drew not when you were growing up because you were you're five years apart but you got to spend a season in muskegon his last year pro right yes yeah so i the year before i went over to germany i was going to play with him uh he was over in germany for four years so he played 10 years pro i believe it was 10 um and he went over to germany and uh was playing and i went over uh to play on his team and then at that time there was only two imports mm-hmm. so uh they brought over th- three of us <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh we were playing and one of the guys was my teammate in Regina. And, uh, so we were playing and they said, well, I said to him, like, there's only two, like what's going on. They said, well, he's going to play on our farm team. If one of you or your brother gets hurt, then we're going to bring him up. So, you know, we, we were all allowed to play the exhibition games, but once the exhibition games were over, he was still there. And then they said, well, we're going to alternate guys. And I said, no, we're not. I'm, I'm going back because I had a contract to go back to in Muskegon if I wanted. So mm-hmm. uh, that was it for, for my Germany experience. And <laughs> uh, and then my brother was able to come and play and we played on the same line in, uh, in Muskegon. Um, that was actually my best, uh, my best st- statistical year uh, of my uh, IHL career. Uh, led the, led the tied for the league lead in scoring, uh, won the MVP and, uh, yeah. So he was, he was, uh, I was first in the league. Uh, he was in the top 10 and, uh, mm-hmm. Dave McCulloch, my regular great line mate from all those years was, uh, I think he was third or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to ask you a lot about Muskegon, but uh, I want to talk about Regina first and I'm glad that, that Lev's not here. So we don't have to listen to him giggling every time we say Regina, but um, <laughs> the 79, 80 season, uh, your first would have been your first full season is this correct that you went to providence college for a semester i did for lou lamorello lou lamorello so uh so brian, that was back brian, in the ecac right before uh, hockey east was formed or anything like yeah, that. i believe so yeah no canadians on the team they could have easily stocked the kid or they did stock the team with all massachusetts and rhode island kids how did you end up in Providence? There, there was, there were some Canadian kids, but some Montreal kids and stuff. Okay. Uh, Randy Balashek, I don't know if you remember him. He played yep. for the Devils and stuff. Uh, so, my brother played in Portland, Maine, in the AHL, and uh, played with Brian Burke. Yep, and uh, they were good friends. Brian came to my brother's wedding in Regina and uh, asked me, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? And uh, I said I wanted. I wanted to play college. Um, so he, uh, he put Lou on to, uh, looking at me the next year. And then I had a, had a good, 
good season. I had, I only had a few college teams looking. I mean, back then there wasn't a ton of college teams out watching the mm -hmm. watching in the West there yeah. in Saskatchewan, anyways. But uh, and then uh, yeah, I got a scholarship with with Providence. Um, they had like twenty six guys. There was no JV team, mm. so uh, I was I played five games before Christmas and sat out some, and it was just. Um, I didn't think development wise, it was, it was good for me. I, I mean, I wish I, in some ways I wish I would have, you know, finished that and got my college degree and stuff, but, um, and quite honestly, I thought, thought there were some guys playing that I was better than, <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so I went home at Christmas and, uh, Brian Murray was coaching, uh, Regina Pats, uh, Bob Strum was our GM and they, uh, you know, they had my dad and I into the office and said that, you know, that they would look after my schooling if, uh, if I came back and the team was doing really well. And we, we ended up going to the Memorial cup that year. Um, we did, we lost in the Memorial cup, but we had a, a great season. So it was, it was good. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say, um, and Regina hosted the Memorial cup. Uh, did Dale Howarchuk's team win that tournament? They did. Yeah, they, did. they won. Um, did it hit you at the time at 18 years old? So to get there, you obviously win the league championship. And as we were talking about some really good players on that team, did it hit you at 18 years old that that was really a once in a lifetime opportunity to win a league championship and play in a Memorial cup in, yeah, your, in your hometown? Yeah. And I think, you know, that we didn't make to the final game. So back then it was three. They, that's when they changed the Memorial cup from three to four teams because, uh, so rumor has it that Mike Keenan and the Peterborough Peets threw a game so that they wouldn't have to play us again. So we played, you played a double round Robin. So we played Peterborough the first game. I think, I think we lost by one goal. Then we played Cornwall. We lost. So we put ourselves in this situation and then Peterborough beat Cornwall quite handily. And then we beat Cornwall like 11 to two. So if Peterborough beats Cornwall again, then we play Peterborough in the championship game because of goals for and against. And, um, and the first couple games were in Brandon. It was a split Memorial mm. Cup. So the, the, the last games and the final was in, in Regina. So uh, I did not go to the actual game between Peterborough and uh, I, I just listened to it. Um, some of the guys went, but uh, Larry Murphy was on Peterborough. He was hardly playing best, you know, one of the best defensemen in junior hockey <laughs> and uh, Bill Gardner hardly played. Uh, he was their best centerman. So it was, you know, I mean, what, what are they supposed to do? I don't know what, what's yeah. true and what's not, but uh, I wasn't at the game. So um, they, I think Peterborough probably was the best depth wise and team in the, in the thing. Um, but uh, I don't think they thought that they could beat us three straight. Um, so, so, and then just for some reference, some of the guys that were on your team, we mentioned Doug Wickenheiser, Ron Flockhart, right? Mike Blaisdell. Yeah. But did you play three years with Barry Trotz? Barry Trotz. I, I think I played two. Two years with Trotsy. Barry Trotz? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was two with Trotzy. Garth Butcher, you know some NHLers Gary Lehman yeah 50 goal scorer I think with the Leafs yeah so it was a pretty Lind 
well on that it was gary on that team that uh, might have been the year later. Yeah. yeah lyndon byers uh, Lyndon byers tough guy with boston yeah um dale Durkatch, who wasn't really an nhl he, he he was a stud junior player but he he ended up playing europe it was really small nowadays he would be an nhl because i was gonna back say then, he there was what? so many giants playing in the league yeah you have him listed as five 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 yeah. here's his three he, years in the whl 142 points 179 points 159 points never played a pro game in north america ultra skilled yeah ultra great kid yeah. so and you're saying jack that in 2022 he would be in the nhl no doubt yeah, he might have to start in the in the minors, but well, he, he would yeah. play NHL for sure. I mean, the, back then you played amongst the trees, right? <laughs> <clears throat> so, what you were a younger guy on those teams? So, how what kind of role did you have on those on that championship team in Regina? Um, I was uh, third liner. Um, my wingers were very tough. We got a lot of a lot of five on five. Uh, brawls but uh, we we uh, i was able to pitch in scoring wise uh, uh at the end of the year it took me a while to get going once i came back from providence it was an adjustment to the game but uh you know from college to to the junior junior was a lot more a lot more physical a lot uh, a lot more hitting fighting all that kind of stuff so it was an adjustment but I, you know i had a good strong finish and i i did well in the playoffs yeah yeah and uh, a couple of years later, uh, you certainly chipped in 79 goals, 190 points, still the franchise record. I don't think Connor Bedard is even going to touch that. Um, so you've got to be targeted at that point. In the Western League, junior hockey back then, I mean, who are some of the guys that were trying to take your head off back then? Oh, <laughs> well, we always had uh, battles with Sassoon. So the one thing that that last year, I was an overage, so you were allowed three. I think you might be allowed more now, but. You know, so that's the thing with junior. It's, well, I guess it's the same with pro. You got 26 year old playing against a 20 year old, but the difference, uh, you know, I'm playing against six, not too many 16 year olds back then, but 17, 18, 19 year olds. And I'm, I'm a 20, I'm, so I'm an overage. But uh, so Saskatoon was a big rivalry. So uh, Dave Brown was on Saskatoon. We had a very tough team too. We had, uh, we had, probably the most penalty minutes in the whole so game. yeah two-part question who was trying to take your head off and who had your back keeping them at bay uh so daryl stanley was with saskatoon dave brown um i'm trying to think of tony camazola was a brand and they then but i mean i had garth butcher al tour um mark centroni jeff crawford and the list goes on like i our coach, it was all team. It was like a wolf back. So it was, there was no worries. <laughs> what's so what's the, you said you had some five on five brawl. Like what's a, one of the craziest uh, junior hockey, just line brawl things you remember? Well, we had, we had more than like line brawls. There was full, full on the whole team brawls underneath the stands. Like, <laughs> Forget the line. We're just good. Let's go. Let's go all 20. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember one, one time against the, Calgary, we were, we were we had a full full on thing. There was fights everywhere. It was almost broken up. And Dave McCulloch actually was skating back towards our bench. Everyone was going to their benches, and their goalie took by their bench, took his blocker, and just nailed them. The whole thing started over again. <laughs> uh, 
uh, we had a big brawl in Billings once a couple of times, but the one time I remember we actually went into their, we got on the ice first for warm up, and we took all their pucks. And we shot them, in the, <laughs> shot them in the stands. And, uh, when they came out, they came out to get the pucks out of our zone. And then the fight started. They, they actually changed the rules a couple of times for warmups that year because of our team. But, uh, they, uh, now the home team had to supply pucks for both both teams the rest of that Jeez. season. But, uh, yeah, there was there was actually fight because there was there was no no referees because it was warm up, and uh, there was actually fights out in the on the rubber out on the way to the dress room. There was there was it was crazy. Yeah, Jesus. So the kids nowadays would not. Oh no, understand. No, yeah. no, no. It's a whole different whole different thing right um so real real quick uh, your numbers retired by the pats in 2018 correct yeah, yeah. okay uh when you go back there do people still remember those early 80s teams like the ones you're just talking about fights in the in the uh, tunnels and oh yeah uh, oh yeah love it yeah yeah it's a big hockey town so yeah yeah do you get back much uh well i did before covid i i was back i i've gone back every year of my life um that I left when I left at 20, but first few years pro, I, I went back for most of the summer and then it got a little bit shorter once I got married and stuff. And, uh, then I, I was still going back for probably 10 days, 10 days a year, 10 days a year in the summer. Sometimes I went twice. Like if I got hurt during the winter, I remember I went home one time, uh, after I wasn't playing, I was just off my, my mom was sick. I went home uh, for mother's day. One time I went home for Christmas because I had never got home for Christmas. Like you, you get a couple days for Christmas, but when you're going from Ohio all the way to Saskatchewan, it's one day each way. And then you'd have one day at home. Yeah. So um, it was tough, but yeah. So, and my parents always came here. And um, so uh, 2019, I got remarried um, and my brother, my, my parents have been passed and uh my brother and sister and uh, my buddies that I grew up with came to the wedding um, in uh, California. And uh, so I thought, well, that year, I'm not going to go back for one year. It's no big deal. I've seen anybody, everyone. And then 2020 hits, 2021 hits. And uh, I have not been back, but I am going back here on August 4th, hopefully. Oh, good. If uh, the airlines cooperate. Very good. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so your first year pro uh, you ended up in Salt Lake City in the Central League. How'd you end up there? Uh, I signed as a free agent with St. Louis. I did not get drafted. Uh, that was St. Louis's farm team. Okay. Um, so back then, the American League and the Central League were the the two top leagues. There was two back then. Now it's just the AHL. Back then, it was two Triple A leagues: the Central League and the uh, the AHL. And the, actually, the IHL was the net next league down okay the double a um and then the central league after a couple of years folded and uh some of those teams joined the ihl and then the ihl moved up to be a parallel to the, the ahl but um yeah so I, I i signed as a free agent and i played there right here so your second year you go to montana magic based in billings montana yeah st louis chain moved there farm team to billings was that the first time you want to take you can take this 
Was that the yeah, first time you met Larry, Larry Gordon? Larry owned that that's team, right? That's the first time I met Larry Gordon. Yeah. So that your your introduction to Larry Gordon. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's this great website called uh, funwhileitlasted.com. I just Googled Montana Magic and this website came up. And it, had, it said this about the team. It said that Larry uh, sold 40% of the team to an, the Ermeskian Indian band in Alberta. Yeah. And so do you remember that happening during the year? That's, I wish you could he see Jacques' face. 40% yes. of the team to a, a Native American. Well, yeah, they, Canadian, they, Native own, Canadian. they own part of the team. Yeah, for sure. And then I didn't uh, know it was during the year. I thought it was before the season. Yeah, maybe it was before yeah. the season. Maybe I misspoke, but uh, he did sell 40% of the team. I, there's got to be a joke in there about selling snow to an Eskimo, which Larry <laughs> could probably do. But um, uh, was there a player strike late in the season? When you were there, the year you were there, because I think that was the last year of the CHL before it folded, wasn't it? Yeah, there wasn't a strike that the, the league just kind of folded. And then Salt Lake City, I'm trying to think, Indianapolis maybe. There, a few teams moved over to the IHL. Yeah. And, and uh, but, yeah. So you played with Gantz there? Played with Perry Gantz there, right? yeah. yeah. And uh, Reggie Leach? Reggie Leach. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, Reggie. I played with both Reggie and his son, his son in Muskegon. So, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Jamie Leach. So, Jamie Leach. Both the Leaches, yeah. And uh, Alain Vigneault was a, a rough and tumble defenseman out of the Quebec League. Yeah. And he actually lived with me the second year. Did he? Part of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I was going to you explain the hierarchy of the minor leagues back then. And you also played uh, two games for the Toledo Gold Diggers that year. Yeah. So, the Montana Magic. Uh, we had a tough year. We did not make playoffs. Um, and uh, Toledo got me uh, somehow worked with Larry or whatever, or, or, or St. Louis. I'm not sure, but they got me down to Toledo and I played two games. And then the commissioner in the league said it wasn't allowed because um, I wasn't actually, uh, Montana wasn't affiliated with Toledo. They had a different NHL affiliation, so it was kind of so they they uh, they nixed it. So I don't know if other teams complained or if they just decided. But I I ended up playing two games before they. So Larry didn't get his way, though. What you're, is what you're saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's surprising to me. <laughs> so uh, you played in WHL, and then now you're in the minor leagues here. What, what was like the difference between the two leagues? I mean, long bus rides fighting D-men cross-checking you like what were the big differences between those two leagues well I mean they're, they're both still physical uh but now you're playing against men um so my last year there like I said I was an overage and I'm playing against younger kids but now I'm going against grown men um and the the funnel is getting smaller as you go up the talent you know so there's less good talent and juniors compared to sure. to the pros so um it's faster the guys think the game faster they're stronger yeah goalies are better who are some of the uh so i i know this and not a lot of people might know this about you but i think you were a pretty good trash talker when you played who who are some of the best trash talkers you think uh for and against you know, your teammates maybe, and then some guys you played against who are always uh, had something to say to you. 
we did we did have chris bergeron on here yeah uh who played with the cincinnati cyclones and he said his line got matched up with you quite a bit and he said you it didn't he didn't think that you thought very highly of him from what you were saying well, to him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I did talk a lot, it, 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 but it motivated me. And it, and it, I think, you know, I liked, I liked guys rushing at me and, and not thinking. And, you know, I, I just, I, I, it just got me fired up. I mean, I, yeah. I think uh, hopefully I was a different person on the ice than I am off. Right. <laughs> but but, but I did, yeah, I did talk a lot. Um, so is there any one specific so, person that yeah, you were gave like, it back, who gave it back to you better than anybody else? Oh, that's hard for me now, but uh, I'm trying to think there was a lot, a lot of back then. I mean, you wouldn't nowadays, you're not allowed to. You wouldn't be allowed to say yeah, <laughs> talk like you did back then. It was like, you know, you went, you said things about families, <laughs> wives, whatever. Sure. Like it wasn't, uh, there was no. So, I mean, for our listeners, it's almost kind of like, you know, listeners have watched the, the show Slapshot, so they can just <laughs> oh, probably imagine that, right? Yeah, it's, well, it's obviously. Well, no, the, 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 the trash talking, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, 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 there's, there was, yeah, it was crazy. It was, uh, you had to be on your toes, but it was funny. It was hilarious because you, I mean, you're you know, if, if you're not saying it and one of your teammates is saying it, it's funny, you're just laughing on the bench like, <laughs> or the other, even when the other team says something funny, like you're, uh, you're laughing on the bench, but, uh, yeah, you had to, you know, you had to do your background checks and know, <laughs> know, you know guys, oh boy. guys stats or like, you know, if a guy was really minus and, you know, well, there's only eight teams in the NHL. So you played the same teams over and over again. Over yeah. Here, right. Yeah. Yeah, so it was. So you end up in Muskinging. Um, your first three seasons, you scored 107, 111, and 136 points. Went to the Turner Cup Finals all three years. Hey, we're trying to have a show here, guy. Uh, call my mom. <laughs> for my reminder. Maybe most impressive, uh, you didn't miss a game all three years. How'd you manage to stay in one piece after you just got done telling us you just like to run your mouth to people? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I was uh, pretty durable back then. Actually, junior, I I hardly had any injuries, and I mean, I I've had my fair share over my career, but there was pockets that I was pretty durable. Like I've had I've had nine knee surgeries, so I I had my my share, but uh, but that period I was pretty durable. Yeah. So Turner Cup in '86 and '89. What were some of the best battles you remember during those two playoff runs? I mean, those are those are long runs. Oh, uh, we so we had such a great team, such great guys in Muskegon. It was uh, we went to six out of eight championships that in that, and the one year um, we did not go. I I was out. That's when I blew my one knee out. Um, but we went six out of eight. We won two. Could have won more. We we first year there we lost to Peoria in game seven in their building we were home up three to game six and lost Rick Hines stood on his head um he was their goalie uh great battles with Peoria they always had good teams Peoria Kalamazoo was just 45 minutes down the road Toledo um that was their old barn in Toledo yep and uh, that was not a pleasant place. You had to walk through the stands to go to our dressing room. People would dump beer on you. <laughs> uh, 
they throw chairs on the ice. I literally saw referees have to stay in the penalty box during intermission while they cleaned the ice because the fans would not let them off the ice. It was it was crazy. So we used to go play a double header during preseason there. The Jacks and the, I think the Vipers would play, and then our farm team would play the Toledo Storm. And my I, I my memory of the Toledo Sports Arena was walking out and they didn't have enough locker rooms probably so our guys were getting dressed in the hallway and there was a usher with the red toledo sports arena vest on smoking a cigarette and he put the cigarette out on the on the tile floor in the in the concourse <laughs> I was like, oh my god so so the, our dressing room there literally was no bigger than this room across it was a little bit longer but you couldn't the guy across from me we both couldn't put our bag in front of us to like yeah it's great because you know muskegon even our home dressing wasn't wasn't great but you look at these these dressing rooms and stuff these teams have now it's like they have the best of the best mm -hmm. and, yeah but uh you know we had a lot of fun <laughs> i can remember in fort wayne having to walk through the concourse too with i had pavel cabina on skates so it was like almost seven feet of hockey player and having to walk through the concourse people waiting in line for food yeah. to get around to do a TV interview because there was no event level underneath. Yeah. So what were some of the, it was Toledo, was that one of the best barns you, you played in back then? We, what were the other cities like Saginaw? Saginaw was in the Kalamazoo, league. you mentioned. Kalamazoo, uh, Indianapolis, Salt Lake State was in the, it was in the IHL. So that was like our great trip. We got to, you know, we got <laughs> to fly to, fly to so like uh, Peoria, Fort Wayne. We always had battle. Fort Wayne was a big rivalry. They were always good. Uh, so we won the Turner Cup my second year there. Fort Wayne won the Huber Trophy, the best team in the regular season. And uh, so the first game of the final, or yeah, the finals, we played them in the finals. First game of the finals, they raised the Huber Trophy banner in front of us. <laughs> and we go on to beat them four straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about, um, obviously, Muskegon Lumberjacks were the Penguins farm team. So uh, you got up into, from 87 to 90, you were played over 100 games for the Penguins. Um, and those Stanley Cup championship teams from Pittsburgh were just starting to come together. So uh, how hard was it to find a carve out a role for yourself in the NHL with the Penguins? when they were, they obviously had a lot of talent and they would also bring guys in at the trading deadline. Yeah. So, I mean, they were loaded at center too, offensive centermen, which, you know, I might've been better off being a, been a, a mucker penalty killer fighter type guy back then to fit into that team. But, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to get a chance to play and play with some amazing players. And, you know, I think our team in Mississippi, <laughs> Muskegon really helped them with their championships because they learned they, those kids learned how to win down in, in Muskegon. So Mark Recchi was there, Kevin Stevens, Jimmy Paik, Paul Stanton, Jeff Daniels, uh, Mike Needham, all, all these guys, they played in Muskegon and we won all the time. So they knew what it took to win and how, how to win. And they took that up there with them. Obviously you have Mario Lemieux and, you know, those guys, but Still, Mark Recchi, Kevin Stevens, those guys were big parts of those teams. Mm -hmm. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, down the middle, uh, 
Mary Lemieux, Ron Francis, John Cullen. So, you know, I, my best, my probably my first time up when, was probably when Pittsburgh was their thinnest as far as, and, and I got a lot of time on right wing with Mario, which was, which was fortunate. So is that easier to play with Mario or is it harder to play with him? It's uh, easier. I think it's if, easier. if you, if you think the game, you just go to the right spots, he'll get it to you and, you know, you give it to him in the right, at the right time and stuff. I, I mean, I mean, I think a lot of times the NHL can be an easier game. I mean, it's, you're playing with guys that make better passes. You're playing with guys that think the game better. It is faster, but, uh, uh, guys play their positions better. So it's not as helter skelter. Um, so sometimes you'll see a guy that does is doing well in the NHL, but he gets sent down for a bit and he struggles a little bit. It's a, I mean, the AHL is a, it's a tough league. It's, it's, it's a good league. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys, a lot of these guys are, you know, obviously they skate just as well as NHL players. It's just, now you have to make that next step and think the game as fast. You have to play the game as fast. It's not all about your skating speed. It's about how your mind works and how you play the game with speed. So 1992, you play the entire regular season of Muskingum. You also play a little bit with the Jacks in the playoffs. What were the circumstances around the Muskingum line sticking, being stuck in the lineup? So uh, that year, the year before, I, that was the year I, I blew my knee out. So I barely made it to training camp. And, um, and then I ended up having a great year. I, I think I, I think I might've finished second that year or something in the scoring and uh, we were having a great year and our team was tearing it up in the playoffs. I think we were peaking at the right time. We were in the finals of the IHL uh, going into game one. That's another year. I think we would have won it, but uh, so game one, we're in Kansas city at our morning skate. We're at a restaurant having, having our pregame meal and Phil Russell, our coach walks in and, goes to Mike Needham and myself, uh, you guys are going up, you guys are going to Pittsburgh. So the night before, Mario Lemieux, the Adam Graves, the famous Adam Graves slash on the hand, and uh, Joey Moen blew out his knee on a, on a hit. Um, so they, they called us up, um, and we thought, well, so the Rangers were favored to begin with, and, and Mario's out, Joey Moen's out. <laughs> and we're thinking... We got a really good chance to win in here. Obviously, it worked out great because we won, but uh, we're thinking, oh, boy, we go there. By the time we get back here, this, this series might be in trouble. So the very next uh, – so Dave McKaylick was stayed, and then the very next game, Bob Erie hurt his shoulder, so they brought Dave McKaylick up. And uh, we all got to play games. I, I played the, the, the next 12 – all 12 games the rest of the way, even when Mario came back and stuff. So it was good. So you had a goal in the playoffs. Uh, do you remember who, you, who the goalie was that you scored on? Uh, it was the Boston Bruins. I think it was Andy Moog. Andy Moog, okay. Yeah. Um, Assisted by Dave McKaylick. And they, they had just scored against us, and Scotty Bowman told us to stay out, and uh, we went right down the ice, and, and we, we scored right back. So – so nice. this next question, you can plead the fifth if you want. You don't need to answer this. Uh, I, I know how some things just stay within house, but uh, were you there when the Stanley Cup ended up in the pool? Yeah, we, we had it in the pool. So I don't know if that, <laughs> I don't know if it was that year. 
I don't remember. I wasn't there when the, the story that goes that it was at the bottom of the right. pool, that sunk to the bottom. Of the pool. That might have been the year before. I don't know. Okay. I just remember at the, at Mario's house, everyone in the pool like having a great time, Stanley Cup in the pool, but it wasn't at the bottom. It wasn't at the bottom. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, did the players? Did you guys all get the cup for a day back then? We didn't. I, I think it started either one or two years later i think the new oh. jersey devils was the first okay. i mean we we had but back then that year we didn't have the guy from the hall of fame right walk carrying it around we we just had it we took it to bars we we had it you know we had it out and uh but then when you start going home then i don't know what happened to it. so um actually you go from winning a stanley cup the next year, uh, the Jacks moved to Cleveland, but you actually didn't go with the team. You wouldn't play in Atlanta for a year. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning were an expansion team. So a um, little, little side uh, voyage for you there. But then you came back for what was the last year in Richfield, correct? Correct, yeah. Had another, yes. your last 100-point season there for the Jacks before they moved to the what was then the Gund in 1994. How many Muskegon guys were still on the team? Did it kind of feel like coming home, even though you were had never been to Cleveland before? Uh, yeah, so I'd been to Cleveland. So the year, our last year in Muskegon, we actually played a game at the Richfield in the playoffs against Kalamazoo in the, the in the semifinals. We 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 finished the series off here. Uh, Larry Larry brought the team here to play a playoff game because they they knew we were done in Muskegon. Um, so he he brought the team here. We played a, a game against Kalamazoo uh, in 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 uh, Cleveland at, at Richfield. We actually had a buck, bus breakdown on our way home. We were sitting on the highway. It was nice out because it was May, I think. But uh, <laughs> it, it was uh, we were sitting on the highway waiting for our bus to get fixed. But uh, yeah, so um, then. Uh, when they moved here, I, I I signed with Tampa just because I thought I had a better chance. I mean, I was playing, except for the, my knee, my bad knee year, I played, you know, 30, 40 games a year with 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 the uh, Penguins. And I thought, well, if I can play with them, expansion team, maybe I get a shot. So I signed with Tampa. And then uh, I became a free agent and came back to Cleveland and, you know, uh, Dave McCulloch was still Gantch was still here. There was mm -hmm. quite a few guys, quite a few guys from that team uh, from from Cleveland. Uh, I mean, from Muskegon. And yeah. then you played the last seven years of your career here in Cleveland. Um, and I know you did a lot of community community work while you were still playing. Are there any kids that you remember that you that grew up watching you and watching the Jacks and have gone on to play college or pro hockey or? Um, I wouldn't know any, maybe by name I, that, uh, I know I, I taught I, kids have come up to me over the years said I went to your the hockey school. I, you know, yeah. did that or this or that, or, uh, watch a player. I have a stick of yours at home or, uh, or things like that. But, uh, I'm not sure if there's anyone that yeah. went on to, to play pro. So you set the IHL scoring record. So. For those who don't know, you you not only set the you beat Len Thornson's International Hockey League scoring record, you did it twice. 
choice. So I don't know how much, I don't think we've talked about this a whole lot since it happened. So um, just to give people the background, uh, you were closing in on it. A lot of media attention around it, which was, you know, we always used to say we're the fourth team in a three team market, you know, being the minor league hockey team with the Browns, Indians and, and uh, Cavaliers. So it was a big deal. Spent a lot of time uh, promoting it ahead of time. The hockey news was on it, that type of thing. And we were counting down, had a big banner, all that. And uh, I believe it was the all-star game was in Houston. Yeah. And you were going to play in the game. They, each conference, I think, had like a legends yeah. kind of thing. And you actually broke the record in Houston on TV. Kind of a classic jock calendar, crash the net kind of goal to break the record. Big deal. Our, our, our Larry's in town. The whole league's there. Make a big deal out of it. And then we find out that you're 13 points short. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So that was before the all-star game, I think. And then I stayed there for the all-star I, game. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, but so back then the, the IHL, the, the scoring thing was combined playoffs and right. regular season. Um, whereas the NHL, if you got the Gretzky's records, just regular season, then they have a separate playoff sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so uh, at I guess when the 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 um, hockey news person went to start confirming everything, went through the years, saw a mistake from one year to the next. I think it was in the playoff line where they moved the penalty minutes over mm -hmm. one one thing, and and then and it, so I was thirteen points, and I you know I figured I'd get, get it. So it was <laughs> right. <laughs> So that guy so did I got a story. To, so I got to celebrate twice. Exactly. We got more publicity out of it. So the guy's name is Tim Campbell. It's burned in my mind. So I was the PR guy for the Lumberjacks at the time. He did a story about it uh, in the summer leading up to, I think it was part of the IHL's preview for the hockey news or whatever. Yeah. I guarantee you he knew we were 13 points off and he didn't say shit. <laughs> <laughs> He was telling me this story this afternoon, and I thought he was going to fight the guy next to him. <laughs> he was getting so mad. But, you know, so we made a huge, and he called me the next day and said, you got the wrong number. And I said, what are you talking about? And. But it wasn't, it wasn't your mistake. It was the league. So, well, your, so this, here's, here's what saved my job. The, uh, remember faxes? Yeah. <laughs> I had actually noticed the discrepancy that summer because we were, you know, making a big deal. And I faxed, I wrote this fax to the league office and said, here's what I have. Here's what the league guide had. So it was the NHL guide and record book that had everybody's career stat. And then there was an IHL league guide. And I said, they're, they don't match. They're 13 points off. You tell me which one's right. Yeah. And they told me the wrong number. So I still had, cause I don't throw anything away. There was a pile of papers on my desk and somewhere in the bottom of that was the facts. And I went running in and showed it to Kerry Bubbles. Cause he's the first, so he's the first person I told and he called Ganch. Ganch wasn't impressed. <laughs> wasn't he called impressed. Larry. Larry wasn't impressed. And then we got in the league office and it got worse. And uh, I mean, I just, it, it wasn't, I felt like it was my fault. It wasn't really my fault, but 
so I go back to my desk, the phone, my phone is already ringing and it's your number. And I picked up the phone and I just started apologizing profusely. And you like cut me off. You're like, how many points do I need? I said, 13. You're like, ah, I'll get that. <laughs> no, <laughs> you took it better than everybody else did. I think you had eight points in the next five games. So it kind of lit a fire on you. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I mean, it was too bad it happened, but now it's yeah. a great story now. Yeah. It was stressful it, for everyone I, at the time, but I did not eat or sleep for three days. Yeah. And I remember you said something in the paper about, I hope nobody gets fired over this. <laughs> and I don't know if you're talking about me, but uh, Larry called me later. So then he had another call with the league office and he calls me. He's like, just so you know, the guy at the league office is trying to throw you under the bus to save his job. <laughs> and he's, and I remember him saying, this is a really good lesson for a young guy like you. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is the worst <laughs> this is thing terrible. that's ever happened to me. <laughs> yeah. So before we go, and we appreciate your time here tonight, uh, let's talk about your current role, your VP of Hockey Affairs and Team Services. What does that entail on a daily basis for you? Uh, quite a bit of things. So I'm the, I'm the liaison between Columbus and uh, Cleveland, so hockey-wise. Um, so um, if, if Columbus is looking for something or needs something or we need something, then I talk to Chris Clark quite a bit, the GM, our GM. Um, I'm involved in all, I do all the travel. So buses, airplanes, meals on the road, meal money, all that. Uh, look after any players that are coming in from Columbus or from the East Coast when, when they come in uh, as far as getting their hotels and things like that. Um, itineraries, everything that I, I, I handle all the jerseys. So, you know, our theme nights and stuff like that. I, I do all the ordering of those jerseys, make sure everyone's name and numbers on it. Uh, a lot of details. I do a lot of stuff with the league. Um, that seems so stressful. That seems like a lot. I mean, it seems stressful. Like you said, like itineraries, airfare or airlines, buses. I mean, yeah. nowadays you can't find a bus driver, Yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, so a lot of a lot of details, a lot of details, and I actually help with the uh, can't uh, the Cleveland Charge uh, basketball, the, the Cavs farm team. I actually handle uh, flights and buses for them also. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's uh, you know I enjoy it. Um, keeps me on my toes, and I got a lot of lists and notes, and <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a lot of detail work. But uh, there's there's other stuff too. I, I I work with our community relations department. It's as getting players to do things and making sure they're there and things like that and, so uh, a, guy, a guy gets called up people see okay a player gets called up from cleveland to columbus little line in the transaction report and they think oh and he'll drive down there and play for columbus what what happened like who calls who first what's the like the details that need to be worked out is there paperwork really off at league office yeah or? that's so the call-ups to there, nothing happens with me. So um, all right, so the other way around. Yeah, the other way around. If they come down, then you know we have we have to. Where our PR works with with their PR and announcing and stuff. I'll have to get them a hotel or or whatever and, and get them, you know, contact them. You know, and then but you know Chris Clark will let our staff, coaches, trainers, myself, um, know who's coming, when they're coming and stuff like that. And tell me if I need to get a hotel or if a guy has been called up and then he comes back down and has a place here, then I don't have to worry about it. So, right. Yeah. And, they, they, and then any of the guys coming up from the East coast, I'm always getting hotels for them or you know, things like that. So a guy that gets called up from the East coast or gets called down from Columbus, I mean, let's say he gets called down 
and he's here in Cleveland now and it's kind of open-ended, right? So you get him a hotel. Let's say he's here for three weeks. Does he start, do we start looking for apartments? Do we, I mean, how does that work? Uh, no, sometimes, I mean, if, if they've, they've decided that he, he's going to be here, but uh, like some of them, if they have a place up there, so if you have a place that they don't, they can't, they can't have to pay for a place, both places. So um, if they have a place up there already, um, good hands. You, um, you know, it doesn't make sense for them to get another place down here. Right. right. But uh, yeah, it just depends on what, what they're thinking or, you know, so, and then sometimes a guy will get called up and ha have a place here. And then, you know, so you, they, they don't, the, the player doesn't have to play for two places. Gotcha. It's in the collective bargaining agreement. So gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, Jack, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming in and spending the time with us. It was a, I can't believe it's already been an hour and a half. It went by so fast. So thank you so much. I uh, appreciate uh, your knowledge and talking about your career. Very impressive career as it is, even though you had to break the record twice because of uh, Scott. Um, <laughs> I'm just, just saying so. Um, so congratulations on that. Um, again, thanks for uh, uh, joining us. Appreciate that. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. It was fun. A lot of fun. Thanks for joining us for another great show. Check out OhioHockeyDigest.com for episode archives and a list of upcoming guests. We're continuing to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. Can run on.